is good Bruin Bible listeners it is your host Will Decker we got to get a sponsor in before we start this episode it's bet online bet online is your number one source for all your basketball info stats news and scores get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs bet online is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for your insider sports wagering needs from basketball, Major League Baseball, NHL, hockey, golf, to UFC and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Make sure you check out Bet Online. Get into the action today. So head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use your promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Now to the Bruin Bible. What is up, ladies and gentlemen of Los Angeles? Will Decker, your host, co-host to my right, man, myth, and legend, the owner of a new home, Mr. Madman in the house. We are so thrilled to have him on the podcast as always. Madman, congratulations. You bought a new home in Los Angeles. What neck of the woods are you located in when it comes to LA? So brother, thank you so much. Uh, you know, uh, for listeners out there, you know, I, I used to live in Westwood in, in sort of my, my, my current condo and now bought a home just right next to Westwood in, in Rancho Park. So still very much in West LA stones throw to, I couldn't, I couldn't live too far from UCLA. That's uh, that, that was rule number one. And so, so thrilled to, to be, uh, you know, kind of close to my parents, close to UCLA and, and, and friends and community and really excited thriller to be doing some Bruin Bibles in the new crib with you over, you know, a nice a cocktail and, and really sort of enjoy ourselves. So can't wait for that. And um, so exciting milestone in, in, in my life and my wife's life here uh, over the last few days. An incredible milestone and many of cocktails to be had. Many of Bruins games to be consumed. Yes, sir. All on the road, we can get together and watch games at the new house. A lot of fun times to be had. And we want to provide a fun episode to you guys. It's been a, a while since Madman and I have spoken. We're going to be talking about the running backs uh, in the room this year, how we're feeling about each and every single guy. There's about five running backs in this room that are really fun to watch. And it kind of sparked me going this way because UCLA just got a four-star commitment in their own right, and Cameron Jones out of St. John's Bosco. Madman, tell me what you know about the kid. He's six foot two, 220 pounds coming to college. Just going to say it. I mean, the frame is very similar to Charbonnet, and some of the film, I mean, he's bouncing off these defenders. No, Thriller. I mean, I think you said it best. The, the two things that really come to mind with Cameron Jones, one is, you said it, is there's now starting to be an archetype that Deshaun Foster and Chip Kelly are going after what they sort of understand as, you know, what is the preeminent body type for this UCLA run offense. And it very much is in that six, one, six, two, two, 210 to two twenty five type of range, very similar to Charbonnet, 
He's even built, you know, similar to Joshua Kelly. He's got more burst. He's got more shiftiness to him. And so very excited about Cameron Jones potentially being the next one in this long line of incredible UCLA running backs. And I think the second piece, Will, and it, it speaks, I think, to a deeper strategic longevity for the program is we're starting to see the pipeline into the two most preeminent high schools in the region. One is with St. John's Bosco. And now we're starting to see some movement also with modern day as well and kind of breaking up that USC monopoly there. So to me, getting that pipeline now into Bosco and into modern day, I think it just the sky is the limit for UCLA moving forward. So couldn't be more excited. And I think that in terms of the rating agencies, I'm not really concerned whether he's a three star or a four star. I think the frame is there by all indications. The work ethic is there and the attitude is there. And you bring him into this environment of books and ball and Deshaun Foster and everything that we're trying to build with this program. And the sky is the limit for Cameron Jones. So really excited about that selection and that recruit. And again, it's just it's sort of myth busting this sense that Chip can't recruit straight out of high school when he wants somebody, when he wants a guy that he believes is really a vital piece from a chess standpoint on that chess board, eight out of 10 times, nine out of 10 times, seven out of 10 times, he's going to get his guy. And Chip has proven that yet again, use the portal when he needs to use traditional recruiting when he needs to, it's all coming together for UCLA football. Absolutely. And I think you made a phenomenal point about the stars and just, you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It matters what production you bring to the football field. And I'm confident if Cameron Jones is good enough for Deshaun Foster, you know, the guy who, you know, we've never, we've not always had this at UCLA where we feel this confident in some of these position coaches. But if Cameron Jones is good enough for Deshaun Foster, I'm like, okay, I'm in. Like, where do I need to sign? He's the guy who got Joshua Kelly to the pros. He turned Demetric Felton, a receiver, into one of the best running backs. We saw what he did with Kaz Allen last year coming out, you know, playing running back when Charbonnet was out. This guy is unbelievable, the running backs. And whoever his guys are, those are the guys that I'm leaning on uh, to lead us, you know, into the night. And, boy, do we have some guys we could talk about, Madman. First and foremost, the combination of Chip Kelly and, you know, Deshaun Foster, it's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, man. It's just a beautiful combination. Deshaun Foster so good at developing individual running backs and their skill sets. And Chip, I mean, for all it's worth, might be the best running mind in college football i don't know if that's a hot take for anyone outside of california as you know most college football fans they don't pay attention west of texas that's why i'm excited to get to the big 10 but i mean you look at the last three campaigns ucla has had we finished in the top 12 each and every each and every year of those last year we were number five in the country in yards per game accumulated from the running back group and what i see with this running back room is arguably the deepest you know tool chest he's ever had like the amount of tools he's pulling out of the toolbox with this group, Madman, is like a retired plumber of 30 years where he's got every nook and cranny figured out on what he can attack, you know, a, a leak with or, you know, something there. Talk to me about this running back room because there's five guys that I'm legitimately stoked about for our Bruins, man. You know what's interesting, Will, and, you know, you're spot on, when are you not, is with, with this running back room, the versatility, I think, is the big theme. But if you go back and look at Chip Kelly's career, he has essentially been successful on the ground with every type of running back imaginable. I mean, 
go back to his days at Oregon from the likes of a LeGarrette Blunt to DeAnthony Thomas to Kenyon Barner to LaMichael James. Then you go into the pros, Shady McCoy. Then you look at UCLA, obviously Charbonnet, Britton Brown, Demetric Felton, Joshua Kelly. You look at just every sort of size, speed, power imaginable. I mean, you, you're talking about small, lightning-fast guys like DeAnthony Thomas, big hammers like LeGarrette Blunt, guys in between with the feet and the shiftiness of a LaMichael James and a Zach Charbonnet, guys who can finish with power. And he has been able to be not just successful, but to be the national leader or one of the five best teams or one of the 10 best teams from a rushing standpoint with any running back imaginable. And when I look at this year's running back room in particular, it's sort of a microcosm of all the different running backs that he's had over his career in the better part of a decade. But he's now finally got it in one class on one team in one year. And so I actually think the creativity of Chip Kelly is going to be unleashed even more this year because you're going to really see nuance. I think the connoisseurs of football who really understand the game, understand offensive football, are really going to appreciate how he's going to mix and match this personnel group because he's kind of got it all. I mean, it's almost like a world-class chef. He's got all the different ingredients now, and what does he come up with? And I think that's what's so exciting because early in his UCLA tenure, you know, he had to convert essentially a wide receiver to play running back. He had to kind of do more with a Kaz Allen type. He didn't really have kind of the traditional back that he does now and the depth at that position. And look what he was able to get out of those guys. Now he's kind of got a little bit of everything. He's got power. He's got speed. He's got size. He's got hands. You know, he's got goal line, uh, you know, specialists. He's got home run specialists. I mean, he's got it all. And so how he sort of puts it all together is going to be really fascinating. And that will determine how far this team goes. Can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it either. And it's going to be really, really fun to kind of break down which of these guys is making the biggest impact for UCLA in 2023. And the guy we got to start with is the guy who finished with arguably the hottest hand on UCLA last year. That's our guy, TJ Harden, man. And he looks like next in line for these Deshaun Foster, Chip Kelly, toted running backs that make the jump to the NFL. And, you know, he's only, you know, a sophomore, you know, uh, coming into this season. But the last two games, the, you know, combining with Cal in the Sun Bowl against Pitt, where he led the team down the field and tied the game with a touchdown, there was just, there's, there's something you could see in just little flashes and little moments. I mean, you, I've heard you refer to this, and Reggie Bush was great all year before the Heisman. The last taste we really got of him was that Oklahoma and UCLA game. And we're going, crap, we got to see this guy again next year? Like, this is the worst. And Reggie Bush comes out and has maybe the greatest rushing season in the last 40 or 50 years within the Pac-12, right? So, TJ Harden, you saw the flashes at the end of the season, really finished strong. I mean, we're talking 23 carries for 200 yards over two games. That's an 8.6 or 8.7 yards per carry average. This guy was a beast. I think he's really developed his hands. What we saw in spring ball, he's catching more passes out of the backfield than we're more familiar with. And, you know, I think that was an underrated part of what Deshaun Foster really did with Zach Charbonnet. Cause you look at the early film with Charbonnet at Michigan, the guy could not catch anything. And then you see him at the end of his career, he's getting 20 plus 25 catches 
really was a, a staple of his game by the time he finished his time at Westwood. Talk to me about the first running back off the board, the monkey wrench, if you will, the guy that fits everything for UCLA. Well, I mean, absolutely. I think this running back room begins with TJ Harden. And I think you referenced last year, obviously we got a taste of him at the start of the season, mid season. And then it was those two games. And I think a lot of his performance, you, you, you uh, sort of conveyed it in terms of the statistics, 23 for 200, eight, seven average. I mean, it got overshadowed those last two games in a lot of ways. I mean, the loss to the Sun Bowl, I think is the one thing that we sort of took away in that last game. DTR was sort of chasing records in terms of, you know, total passing yards. And that was really the storyline, the lead, losing the lead, all of those things. But how TJ Harden was able to really stabilize that offense in key moments of, of that particular game is not lost on me. I know it's not lost on you. And then you go back with the Cal game and just everything that he did in that one-two punch with Charbonnet of just owning the line of scrimmage. And I think, Will, it's an, it's an excellent point about his ability to do a little bit of everything, right? I mean, we've talked a lot about his running style, that upright running style, where he reminds me so much of Deshaun Foster himself as a running back. He reminds me so much of Eric Dickerson's running style, you know, that upright head where, you know, you could put a Coke can. That was the joke with Eric Dickerson. You can put a Coke can on top of Eric Dickerson's head and not a drop of Coke was going to come out. And I feel that way with TJ Harden, just upright, so smooth. Guys don't just sort of bounce off of him. They sort of slide off of him. You know, it's just, it's so interesting. And, you know, he's got that ability to go laterally as well. And I think that's sort of that next level of running back. There's guys who can hit a hole, one cut and go, they can accelerate. But those guys that can sidestep, the guys that have that explosiveness in terms of from a horizontal perspective is next level. And he's just so comfortable with that. And he can go left. He can go right. He can hold the ball with either hand, which is another rarity with running backs that are this young. It's a lot like, you know, NBA players who can only go right or only go left or what have you. He can hold it. He can hold the rock with both. And then I think the biggest point of all is just that level of comfort of catching the ball out of the backfield. If you look at TJ Harden one year out of college versus Zach Charbonnet one year out of college in terms of their level of comfort in the flat, I mean, it's not even close. And I think when you look at this UCLA offense last year, how much they were reliant on that check down to Charbonnet or how much they were reliant particularly to Keegan Jones and how much that played a role in terms of opening up other things in terms of variations and counters. I think Harden just does a little bit of everything. I fully expect him to be the day one starter. I expect him to lead the team in rushing, and I expect him to potentially lead the team in touches as well. So sky's the limit for TJ Harden. I think in many ways, this could be the guy that Deshaun Foster almost has the most success with because he's the first guy that has been there from year one. You know, when you think about Britton Brown, transfer from Duke. When you think about Charbonnet, transfer from Michigan. When you think about Joshua Kelly, transfer from UC Davis. When you think about Dimitri Felton, transfer from his natural position. You know, this is the first guy that he's had in his mitts from year one. And now you can see year one to year two progression. And then I think the even bigger one's going to be year two to year three. So this really has the makings of the next two years for TJ Harden to really put something spectacular together and potentially be the best running back in this conference for the better part of the next two years.
Yeah, I don't think it's a hot take if you have them Pac-12 first team. I think right now, just what I saw last year, I mean, especially UCLA got killed by them that game. Bucky Irving for Oregon, I've got to put number one. Yes. You know, 6.8 yards a carry last year. I mean, this guy was moving, getting in the open field, making plays. But it wouldn't like I, I got to put Harden maybe number two on those odds. The only thing that scares me is how loaded this running back room is. You know what I mean? So it may take away some of the carries. In terms of individual talent, I could not be more on the board with Harden maybe being the second or first best running back in this entire conference, man. I mean, you talked about the Cal game, limited reps, 12 carries, 89 yards. Yep. Guy was just making plays all over the field. So really pumped about Harden. And the second guy I've got for you, Madman, it's kind of surprising that we would get the ninth overall rusher in Division One last year. This guy is the third – he has the third highest returning yardage coming back at the running back position in terms of rushing. He had more yards rushing than Jameer Gibbs, Blake Corum, and Bucky Irving last year, as well as our guy Charbonnet. That's Carson Steele, man. Coming from the MAC, transferred from Ball State. We saw him in spring. We liked what we saw. But that's just – we just like what we saw from Harden, maybe just a smidget a little bit more. We know this guy is an experienced vet, 14 touchdowns last year, close to 1,600 yards, beast in the weight room, you know, has all the kind of funny qualities and quirky personality. I mean, he owns like a pet gator or something like that that is going to endear himself to the fan base. Talk to me about our guy Carson Steele because I am equally as thrilled about this guy coming in to 2023. Absolutely, Will. I mean, he's the battering ram, you know, and he's the guy that it's going to be so hard for any defense to sort of hold him at the line of scrimmage or before, you know, and he's going to be one of those guys where, you know, you mentioned the 1,556 yards rushing last year, the 14 touchdowns. He's a guy who always seems to have his momentum going forward. He's always going to fall forward. He's going to lunge forward. He's going to carry guys, move the pile. Um, and he's he's also kind of a, one cut and go type of running back as well with, with a lot of power. Very excited to see. I think last year, Will, if we watch this team offensively, sometimes they got into a little bit of trouble with an over-reliance on Charbonnet mid to end of the season. If you recall, you know, it's particularly on second down, third down, sometimes it was a little bit too scripted. It was a little too obvious that Charbonnet was going to get the ball, and sometimes that played against UCLA from time to time put them in some down and distance situations where DTR had to be spectacular or they needed the big play or Bobo had to be magical on third down. I think Steele is going to bring a dimension to this offense as that second running back in that two-headed monster where you're always going to be caught a little bit off guard. And I think the emphasis that Chip is going to have on the running game this year, much like many years in the past, I think of Steele as you know the great rocky movies in particular you know rocky three rocky four where you keep running and then you bring a guy like steel as your change of pace guy and most teams their change of pace guy is a fast twitchy guy here the change of pace guy is the guy who's the battering ram who's going to keep giving you the body blows and it's it reminds me of sylvester stallone early in those rounds taking all these shots to the face but he'd keep chomping at the body you know early in those rounds and by the end of the fight, those guys are all caving and the knockout is coming. And I think that's where I see Carson Steele really having a huge impact on this offense. It's going to be those body blows that he's going to unleash on the defenses in the first, second, and third quarter, where come fourth quarter, either he or Harden 
or some of the other guys that we're going to be talking about are going to pop off big runs and essentially are going to get UCLA the separation they need to either win games or close out games in a very effective fashion. So I think he's going to have a very significant role on this team. But I think sometimes what we will see is, well, you know, Steele's only getting three or four yards or, or you know, it's not the most spectacular run but it's going to be the run that's going to set up all the great things later on. In many ways, Carson Steele is going to be the hockey assist leader of this team in terms of a running back situation because his runs are going to set up the big runs later in the game, and that's what I'm so excited about. I think the only question I have about Steele is can he kind of get to the edge? Can he set the edge from, you know, it's one thing to be able to set the edge in the MAC. Can he do that in the Pac-12? And then two... How comfortable will he be in that check down type of role? I think what you and I saw is definitely very capable hands. He just didn't look quite as fluid catching the ball. You know, it, it looked a little bit more robotic where he had to really kind of think about it and he wasn't relying on his instincts as much. So I look for him this summer and moving forward now in the next six weeks to get more comfortable there and, and see what he can do uh, in terms of kind of lower body to, to be able to set that edge, but very excited about what Steele brings to the table. Bruin Bible listeners, we've got a special sponsor uh, for today's episode. It is AG1. AG1 has been something that I've really enjoyed using in my spare time. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole-source food nutrients in one scoop that you can use into your water. You stir it up. I use it before my workouts, before I start my day, and it has totally given me the energy I need to do the little things in life, like going to work, getting extra, you know, an extra boost, a second wind, if you will, for a workout before I play pickleball with my friends. Just it puts you in a good spirit of mind and you know you're doing the healthiest possible thing by putting AG1 in your body. Make sure to check us out and get a special deal with the Bruin Bible. It's www.drinkag1.com slash Bruin Bible to get the special deal that we provide. Once again, www.drinkag1.com slash Bruin Bible to get that special deal. Now, back to the Bruin Bible. Yeah, and I completely agree. My one kind of issue with steel coming into this year is it's one thing to do in the MAC. Yes. It is a complete different ball game when you're in a Power Five conference. I just need to see it to believe it. And there's a scenario where he's the number one yes. running back for us. And he's the guy that's making second team all Pac 12 and guiding us to fingers crossed our first Rose Bowl since the 90s. You know what I mean? So this could be our guy. I don't want to sleep on our guy Carson Steele. Anyone that rushes around 1,600 yards in a season can ball at the D1 level. So that's our guy there. I want to pivot to you with this point before I get to our next one. Do you think that Chip Kelly, in his mind, if he were to hand the baton to five-star quarterback Dante Moore, that he loaded this running back room up with so many diverse options to keep the defense fooled at all times. Because the last thing you want to do is put your 17-year-old quarterback out there and force him to make too many throws, too many errors too early when you can have arguably the deepest running back room he's had. Do you think that was part of his plan in assembling this running back room, knowing that he may be trotting out a young quarterback out there at the end of the day? Absolutely, Will. I think it's an it's an excellent point, and I think it works both ways because I think even with Garbers, for all his experience, the starting experience isn't quite there. And second, Garbers isn't necessarily the athlete that DTR was. So he knew this year he's going to be taking a step back athletically at the quarterback position. I think we can all agree there. 
I think Garbers isn't the athlete DTR is. And I don't think Moore is the athlete DTR yep. is either. And, and particularly in the case of Moore, he's so young. He's still developing into his body. You, you, you really want to keep him out of harm's way. And so that run pass option and that read option, you know, it, you're not going to get the dual threat. You need two dimensions from a threat standpoint to make that an effective run game. And traditionally, those two dimensions are either the running back is going to keep it or the quarterback's going to keep it. I think where Chip is, you know, manufacturing that second dimension is not that the quarterback's going to keep it. It's that the running back is going to be very, very different at different moments in the game. You're either going to get the smoothness of Harden. You're going to get the battering ram of steel. You're going to get the versatility of a Yankoff. You're going to get the speed of a Keegan Jones, potentially on and on you go. So he's sort of manipulating that second dimension in the RPO in a very unique way here. I think it's an excellent point, Will. Colson Yankoff. I think that's got to be our next guy we go to. And it's just, it's something out of a freaking movie, the way this guy's career is played out. Was a highly rated quarterback. I know it's probably hard for some listeners to hear, just knowing what Yankoff is today. This guy was one of the highest recruited quarterbacks ever out of the state of Idaho. Commits to Washington. Didn't really work out there. Follows Chip down. Chip sees the athlete that Yankoff is and goes, hey, you know, DTR is our guy. I want to move you over to some other positions. He tried wide receiver. He tried tight end. And it finally looks like he's found his spot within the unit at the running back position. Looks like he's dropped 10 or 12 pounds. And, uh, you know, for all of his credit, man, he is as versatile as a back as we have. You know, I think the hands are clearly there for him. When his number got called last year, he stepped up. I mean, you look at what he did against, against ASU and Cal, respectively, 48 yards against ASU and 59 yards against Cal with a touchdown coming against the Sun Devils. I mean, Yankov, this was your guy coming out of spring. You had him at number two on the depth chart. Talk to me about your guy, Yankov. Sell me why UCLA should trot this guy out a whole lot in 2023. Thriller, I'll tell you this. He's still my number two guy. You know, oh. I, mean, I, I still believe that Colson Yankov, I think that the most effective one-two punch this year for UCLA is going to be Harden and Yankov. No disrespect to Carson Steele. I'm very excited to see him play. But I think there's a couple of things that Yankov brings. One is there is a fluidity out of the pass game that you get with him. And he is this hybrid body that you just don't quite get every year in college football his body will is very much sort of tebow-esque uh hill-esque from byu you know where you can do all of these different things with him and you know you can line him up in the backfield and you know you can go play action he can catch it you could potentially line him up bunch kind of like a tight end you can line him up like an old school fullback there's so many things that he can do in terms of receiving the ball out of the backfield but then also blocking and it just opens up such variety to your offensive scheme that it's really significant. And then, oh, by the way, just given his frame, you know, that ASU drive, Will, was so impressive last year. It was one of the most impressive pieces of work that any individual had from a, an individual contributor perspective last year with UCLA. Let's not forget that was a game UCLA was utterly dominating, lost a significant portion of their lead lost a significant portion of the momentum. You could tell Kaz Allen, that was kind of the Kaz Allen breakout game where he had 200 yards rushing, but he was starting to wear out. You could see it. He had that fumble. 
They needed Colson Yankov, the big body, to be able to salt that game away, put that insurance touchdown on the board, and chew the clock. I mean, if, if Yankov isn't Yankov in that game, I don't know if UCLA pulls that one out in the desert. It was really close either way. And so when you look at him in terms of short yardage, tough yards, in between the tackles, you know, when you combine that now with his receiving prowess, with his blocking prowess, now that's the third dimension. And then, Will, I think you and I saw this over the course of spring practice, the, the weight loss, it's all muscle, he's lean, and what that's starting to create now is he's still as tenacious as ever in between the tackles, but he's starting to get that burst in the second level now. You know, where after five, six yards, he's, you know, he can cut it outside the way Charbonnet used to do, where he would kind of line up, go up the middle, and then kind of cut it outside. I'm not comparing him to Charbonnet, but he's got that burst to him in a way where I don't know if Steele does. To your earlier point, I got to see it to believe it with Steele, but guess what? We're, we've seen it with Yankov. You know, we've seen it on the field there. And so to me, just in terms of the variety, because I think that's going to be the key this year with a new quarterback, regardless of who it's going to be, you're going to have to keep defenses off balance without it all being on the quarterback. And I just think Yankov is that, that Swiss Army knife. And I think it's a, an ideal schedule here. You got kind of the two cupcakes and San Diego State sandwich in between. I think by the end of the third game, I think it's going to be pretty clear it's going to be Harden and Yankov in my mind. Wow. I am thrilled. Just give me all the Colson Yankov carries. I injected in my veins. I'm fired up for it, man. So give me all the Colson Yankov stuff we got going on there. We're through three of the five running backs. The fourth guy, and it's just absurd because we talk about Ola Dejao being a massive human being. Six foot three, 250. And then you look at this running back's height and weight. Anthony Adkins is about 6'1", 6'2", 245. So he is like in striking distance of Oladejo, who to us was like DK Metcalf at the linebacking position, correct? Adkins, I mean, the, the, the thing that comes to mind with him watching his film is we got another Mike Allstott, man. You remember Mike Allstott? Yes, sir. Bay Bucks. Oh, you know, the Mike Allstott was one of my favorite players. Oh, that's a great one. He was fantastic. And the, you know, the Bucks announcer just would get so fired up, you know, all start up the gut, you know, I'd get so fired up. It'd be a fun kind of affair with that. Just a goal line wrecking ball. And, you know, this guy's got sneaky wheels. I mean, go back and watch the 71 yard touchdown he had against Wake Forest back in 2021, sat out all of last year. So he's, you know, doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on him. He's six foot one, 245. This guy just wants to touch a football and run through somebody's face to quote the great Marshawn Lynch. Talk to me about Atkins. Cause I mean, listen, we've talked about Yankoff maybe being RB number two. I think there's a real scenario. If you're trying to bet the long shot odds that Atkins may have the first or second most touchdowns on this team by year's end in the terms of the running game. A thriller. I mean, first of all, I mean, a Mike Allstott reference. I mean, this is why you are who you are. I mean, bringing Mike Allstott to the table, that's fantastic. I mean, back in the day when there was kind of a true fullback slash running back kind of hybrid, Mike Allstott was just such a unique player. I mean, he, Moose Johnston, you remember? You remember yeah. Floyd, the, the fullback of the Niners? I mean, th- that's where it was It was sort of the hammers uh, back then. And, and Atkins, to me, well, you know, the, 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 the one of the classic movies that I loved growing up was The Little Giants. And I remember that, you know, they would kind of do best on best, the kids. And there was the moment when 
Becky the Icebox when Best on Best with Spike. And one of the kids was like, oh, my God, call 911. And, you know, that would be a 911 moment if Ola Dejal went, you know, what – 1v1 with Atkins. And, and, you know, that would be the, the you know, I, I could just see Jerry Newheidel's face being like, call call 911. I mean, you know, in terms of what that would we be. Earthquake warnings in Southern <laughs> California if that happened. Man. My goodness. And, you know, yeah. Atkins, I think you said it best, Will. He is going to be the goal line short yardage in the red zone, in the trenches running back. And I think he's going to be very clearly a specialist. I think that there are just his body and what he brings to the table. That's really going to be his niche this year. I completely agree with you. I think if UCLA is doing what they need to do successfully, Atkins is going to be at or top uh, the, the leading in terms of rushing touchdowns. And I think where it's going to be really significant with Atkins moving forward is there's going to be a couple of games where he's going to play an even bigger role. I think of a game at Utah. I think of a game at Oregon State. I think there's even going to be moments at USC. But in particular, at Utah, at Oregon State, I think UCLA on the road in those games is going to be kind of living in third and two, fourth and two, third and one, fourth and one. And I think Atkins is going to be a guy who is going to be the difference if, if, if from a win versus a loss. I think Anthony Atkins has the potential to change the total trajectory of this season from being maybe an eight and four, nine and three season to potentially being an 11 and one, 12 and 0 season. And it's going to be his ability in some of those key short yardage moments where the game can swing so violently 10 point swing, 14 point swing. So I don't see Atkins as necessarily an RB1, RB2 type and kind of threatening for that. But where I do see him is being the ultimate specialist. And in key games, his play will be very significant in terms of the outcome of the game. And so I'm very excited to see that. Man, he could be like a Brandon Jacobs, don't you think? Yes, yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Running just angry at people. I just, I could see Adkins becoming a fan favorite where, you know, he gets that first down, the whole crowd just goes, ooh, like. Absolutely. So Adkins coming at number four out of the number five running backs. Last guy. And, you know, I, I mentioned Yankoff being incredibly versatile. It's hard not to say Keegan Jones might not be the most versatile player in the running back room. You know, best receiving running back I think we've had at UCLA, bar yes. none. And you look at some of the stats, had the 52-yard catch touchdown against Bowling Green in week one last year, the 36-yard touchdown catch against Oregon on the right side. And, you know, even against Pitt, six catches, 53 yards, kept some first downs moving for us, especially late in the game when we needed to kind of get some of these plays rolling. Keegan Jones, and then you wanted to run the ball. ASU, he was kind of just the guy we didn't talk about. You know, Yankoff had the big game, and Kaz Allen, he went 12 carries, 98 yards, and a touchdown against ASU, yes. and we barely even discussed it, you know? So Keegan Jones, just from a receiving running back duo, and, you know, what we saw in spring, I don't want to give too much away, you know, to any maybe opposing coaches out here listening, but Keegan Jones is going to have a very much increased role in the offense in a variety of different ways. Talk to me about Keegan because we don't talk about him enough. We don't talk about him enough. And I think what's going to be where he separated last year, obviously, was as a receiver in the flat and getting him in one-on-one situations with an outside linebacker where it was just stealing, right? I mean, he was he's a, he's a track star, a, a 10-100 guy, and you got him on an outside linebacker. Like, I mean, that's a joke right there. And so 
Chip did a masterful job of trying to set up those one-on-one combinations. I think what's going to be very fascinating, Will, with both L.A. schools, actually, is what we're seeing is from both Chip as well as from Lincoln Riley, this emphasis on do I need my slot guys to be sort of traditional wide receivers that are six foot one, six foot two, the Wes Welkers, the Kyle Phillipses of the world that are more possession guys that maybe don't want to quite have the speed of my top end sort of deep threats? Or do I want to be in a position here where even my slot guys have a lot of speed and even my slot guys not only have a lot of speed, but I can motion them into the backfield. I can create all kinds of matchup situations. And I see Relique Brown kind of playing that role as, as sort of an ultimate chessboard piece for Chip where, you know, you'd line him up traditionally at running back. You line him up in the slot. You motion him from the slot. There's so many things you can do there in terms of creating these 1v1 matchups. And I think we're seeing something similar that Lincoln Riley is doing with Relique Brown. I, I think Relique Brown and Keegan Jones, I think, are very similar when you look at this sort of trend in the Pac-12 that's kind of taken place over the last year, year and a half, it's all about putting your best athletes on the field. And so oftentimes, what, what's the first thing we saw? We sort of saw the elimination of the big, slow, you know, trudging tight end. And it's more along the lines of how can I get, how can Drake London be my tight end? How can uh, Kyle Pitts be my tight end? How can I get a Michael Ezeke to have more of a role as my tight end as, as an athletic guy? And now I think we're starting to see that, particularly in the Pac-12, not just with USC and UCLA, with Arizona State, with the likes of Washington, with the likes of Oregon. How do I sort of manipulate my slot guy to maybe be kind of a hybrid running back, maybe be you know so a faster guy where I just have more dimensionality? And I think that's going to be the fascinating element with Keegan Jones this year of just the variety of where he's going to go. And again, I think Keegan Jones is going to be a specialist with – in that regard of just having so much versatility, being kind of a package guy, the way Atkins is going to be a package guy. And so, you know, you're going to have these five guys that are going to play really huge roles. And dare I say, Will, you know, is this the, the is this UCLA's version of the Fab Five in terms of the running Ooh. back room here? And, and is this the Fab Five that we've been waiting for to really bring us over the top? Man, well, so much to look forward to in the running back room. I just, I believe in this unit. I know what we're going to get. This is the bread and butter of a Chip Kelly team is the running back room. Uh, Madman, any parting thoughts before we move on to, hey, man, we're going to let the audience choose on this one, either the wide receiver room, the offensive line, or the quarterback room. So you guys decide the next position group you guys want to hear from us. We can get it all figured out. But any parting thoughts? On a monumental day with you getting your first home. I mean, unbelievable. Well, Will, you know, thank you as always for for the graciousness and the friendship and the brotherhood. And it's just hard to believe that you and I are about to embark on season three of, you know, we talk about season three of Ted Lasso, season four of Succession. I mean, it's season three of uh, UCLA football here with the Bruin Bible. It's hard for me to believe that, Will, we are... Seven, you know, we're what 50 days now away from you know opening kickoff here, you know, to start the season. I mean, I can taste it how how close we are to the start of the season and football being upon us. So just can't wait. And you know, it just feels like this offseason has flown by and we got the Pac 12 Media Day coming up. And then, you know, lo and behold, a few weeks later, 
the season's about to start. So just can't wait. We're just we're getting so close here uh, to, to really kind of talk about actual games and, and actual matchups and rankings and just can't wait to, to get it all started. Cannot wait, my dude. And uh, I'm going to leave you with this last question. Two guys are brought by each team to media day. If you just tell me who you believe UCLA will bring to media day. And this is Chip Kelly we're talking about. He'd bring the obvious names from last year. I mean, Dorian would have been the guy on paper, right? He brought John Gaines and Stephen Blaylock. So who is he bringing to media day to face the media and face the music? Really good question. <laughs> yeah. Really good question. I think knowing Chip, you know, and he loves to play possum with the media. He's not going to bring the big name guys, but he's going to bring guys that are very cerebral. I mean, what was what was sort of the common denominator with Gaines and Blaylock? Blaylock was the captain of that defense from a secondary perspective in terms of calling out the plays, understanding situational football. And then Gaines was just such a significant guy in the locker room with his leadership. So it's he leads with, guys that have the intellect and the leadership, more cerebral type of players. I think for that reason, I think Atkins is going to go, you know, given his sort of army background and just, you know, what he brings to the table and just in terms of integrity and values and sort of epitomizing books and ball in that sense. And then I think who he's going to bring with Atkins could be very interesting. Um, I think it, if, you know, if I were him just to, to make it a little bit more fun, I might bring Kyle Ford, you know, because of, of last year. I don't know if Chip will go in that direction, but I could see it be potentially an Atkins and maybe a, a J. Michael Sturt event. I would love that. You know who my two picks are? Yeah. You're going to love this, too. First pick, he's not going to bring Law to because he's too big of a star and he wants yep. his head focused. I think he's going to bring Muwasa. I think yep. that's the guy he's going to bring. I think he's going to be the defensive captain this year, given what we saw in spring ball. You know what the other pick is? I was talking about this with Wayne Cook. How much of a trip would it be if he brought Ethan Garbers to me? Oh, yeah. The guy that's been there for three years. What does that say about the quarterback competition? Yes, yes. He brings Garbers. And knowing him, he loves to just mess with the media. I could see him doing that and then easily picking Dante Moore to start the year. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Chip Kelly, and he hates the media. So like- exactly. No, that would be so interesting. I, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, that would be <laughs> that would that. I mean, if look, if you want to create the circus, like if you just want to create the circus, bring Garbers and Moore. I mean, that would be. The, oh, I mean, so- if you really want to create the circus, oh. right? I mean, if you're just if you're just in it, I mean, just bring the two and let them talk it out. You know, I think that. I think he respects Garbers too much to sort of put him in that situation of have to answer questions about him and more. So I think like, I, I totally hear you. I, I completely agree, but I think he's going to steer clear. I love your Moasau pick. You know, I'm going to redact mine. If I had to sort of pick chip, I think it'll be Atkins and Moasau. Like that's, that's okay. my, my running, my running line. Yeah. I just think there's a bond there between him and Darius. I just think Darius, like yep. you mentioned, captain of the defense. Last exactly. Year, like yes. I yes. just, in my bones, I feel like that's Muwasau. And, you know, I do think Oladejiao and Latu are more talented. I just feel Muwasau. Yes, like yes. And then offense, I mean, that's a little bit more difficult. I could see even – I could see Harden going. I could see Steele maybe yep. sneaking an invite there. You know? Steele is a guy that likes the media. So if Chip is like, who wants to go? I could see Carson being like, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, if you wanted that- to have fun, Will, I mean, you know, obviously more Garbers – doing something with Kyle Ford or 
just to sort of stick it to Cal, just bring the Cal guys, you know, Sturdivant <laughs> and Oladijo. <laughs> you know, so I mean, there's so many ways to sort of play this, to have fun with the media. Like, there's more fun ways to slice this cat here. Uh, but I think I think Chip's gonna stay in the box. I have a feeling. But and man, it was freshman really fun. R.J. Jones, who yeah. was the Cal and flipped over, like just all of that, man, just sticking it to the Golden Bears. It's gonna be a fun one, man. We're gonna have all the coverage in a couple weeks to Vegas. We are officially out after this, but please tell us which uh, position group you guys want us to do for next week's show. Bruin Bible, we are officially.